A reading from the letter of Paul to the church in Galatia. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the members of God's family who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, 
I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is described as a prophet mighty in word and deed. And it is these deeds, these acts of healing, that the Gospel is referring to when they talk about Jesus as a prophet mighty in deed. Healing stories abound in the Gospels, but healing stories also abound in the whole Bible. They are not ascribed or attributed only to Jesus. In fact, many of Jesus' healing stories are actually reiterations of stories of healing found in the Old Testament, especially those attributed to the prophet Elijah. And, as it turns out, Healing stories abound in the ancient world, in ancient literature and ancient sources from other religions than our own. And in our ears, to our hearing, these stories of healing appear to be evidence of God's miraculous intervention in the lives of individuals as they suffer grievous illness or are near death or, in some cases, have actually died. Jesus' healing is extended to those who suffer physical ailments, blindness, lameness, skin conditions. But Jesus also heals and raises the dead to new life. So the temptation for us is to regard our relationship to Jesus as one by which we ourselves will be delivered from our own suffering and hopefully, in the end, our own death. We know this because it's part of our experience of our relationship with God. Two weeks ago was Pentecost, and I was unable to worship with you because I was sick in bed. So sick, in fact, that I turned not to Jewish elders to send for help from Jesus, but to Facebook. And I put out an appeal to all the people that I knew on Facebook, and I said... I'm really sick. I don't normally do this. I'm really sick. Please pray for me. And within hours, I was healed. A miracle. And, excuse me. I haven't asked for healing for my allergies yet. Maybe I need to work on that one. So it's tempting to conclude that our prayers for healing reach God's ears and God delivers miraculous healing because we've had experiences like that. But it's problematic for us to make that conclusion because all we need to do is imagine those times and remember those experiences that we've had or people we've known who also prayed but did not receive healing. When I was a hospital chaplain for a summer in 2004, I was called to the ICU to attend to 
a woman whose husband had had a stroke and was on life support. And in her grief, in her uh, overwhelming grief, she was unable to understand that the rising and falling of his chest with breath and the beating of his heart were not actually signs of life in his body, but were being provided by the machinery to which he had been connected and from which he would soon be removed. She was praying fervently for God to intervene and restore her husband to life. And as the chaplain, I sat with her and prayed, and she turned to me and said, God can raise the dead. Right? God can raise the dead. And I found myself in a bit of a pickle. (laughs) Because she was not asking me to raise the dead. And she was not asking whether God would raise the dead. She was asking me whether or not God can raise the dead. And in my heart, feeling fairly certain that the man whose body we prayed over would remain dead, I had to agree with her that when it comes to God, the power of life and death are in God's hands. Yes, God can raise the dead. And it was, pro- it was troubling to me because I didn't want to give her the impression that our prayers were going to revive her dead husband. So I took a, a big lesson away from that experience. And, and I think, as a result of that and other similar lessons, that when we hear stories of healing in the Bible, tempting as it is to assume that what they lead us to conclude is that God miraculously intervenes directly in the lives of people who are suffering in order to release them from that suffering, especially if they pray faithfully and fervently to God. Tempting as it is to conclude those things, I now understand that the Bible is talking about healing of a different sort. That in the ancient world, stories of healing abound And they are like a key for us to indicate to us that there's something going on in this story that we need to pay attention to. When we read stories of healing in the Bible, it's not enough just to conclude that one person's prayer resulted in God's miraculous intervention in their life. This is what Hitchcock called the MacGuffin. It's like it's a little distraction that if we only pay attention to that, we miss the real story. <clears throat> so I want you to recall the story, and in particular the cast of characters involved in this healing miracle. The person who is ill and is near death is a slave. In first century Roman-occupied Jewish Palestine, a slave is not a very valuable person. As in most slave-holding societies, the slave are among the possessions of the householder. So a slave is not a person around whom very much goodwill needs to be organized. But somehow, for some reason, the centurion cares for his slave. 
and wants him to be well. The centurion, rather than turning to the many gods available to him through his pagan Roman religion, turns instead to a community of Jewish elders, the very people whom the Roman army occupies and oppresses by their occupation of Israel. Keep in mind that Luke's gospel would have been written after the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. So this centurion is becoming a very curious character. Not only does he care for his slave, but he appeals to an alien religion and to the elders of that religion for help. Furthermore, he seems to have heard about this prophet, mighty in word and deed, and asks those elders to convey his message to that prophet, Jesus. But now we have to step back a little bit again and ask ourselves, where else in the gospel do Jesus and Jewish elders get along? Pretty much nowhere. Who are the people who called for his death when he was, when he was arrested and tried? So this is a very peculiar story. And what I think it means is this. The nature of God is to heal. But the means by which God heals is not miraculous intervention, but rather the fruitful construction of relationship among people who were previously estranged from one another. The old divisions of tribe and race and class and civil authority in Christ are ended. And the healing of Jesus' ministry is the healing of those divisions that keep us separated from one another on the basis of those old divisions. It's not obvious from the portion of Paul's letter to the Galatians that we heard this morning, but that's also the point that Paul makes. We just got the beginning where he tells the people in Galatia that he's mad at them because they've been listening to other people and not preserving and adhering to the gospel that he delivered to them originally. If you continue to read that letter, you come to understand that what Paul is saying is that the gospel of Christ is a liberating gospel and that it liberates people from the categories of division and oppression that keep us separated and divided as though we were not one body. In the third chapter, 28th verse of that book, of Paul's letter, he says, there is no more slave and free. There is no more Jew and Gentile. There is no more male and female. But all are one in Christ Jesus. Right? With the exception of male and female, this story from the Gospels presents those categories of division erased in the experience of a centurion caring for his slave, reaching out to the leaders of an alien religion whose world has been destroyed by his army's occupation of their land. But they respond compassionately and seek the assistance of a prophet whom they don't really trust and might rather go away. But to honor the request of the centurion, they find Jesus and enlist his help. And by the time Jesus is on his way to heal, it doesn't matter. It's a done deal. God has already arrived to heal because the people themselves have bridged the gaps 
that divided them one from another and made real the common humanity that undergirds all of our various categories of personhood. So the healing is real, but it isn't restricted to the one person who is ill on their deathbed and in need of miraculous intervention. The healing is for all the people. The healing is for all of us who are divided one from another by the fears and anxieties and the mistrust that infects our hearts. So when we pray for healing, pray to God for healing of those divisions, to be healed of the illusion of otherness that feeds anxieties that lead to racism, sexism, an oppression of every kind, so that we too can join in the prophetic word and deeds of Jesus, speaking peace to God's people and demonstrating by compassionate action the unity of humanity revealed to us in Christ Jesus. A final word. Immediately after this service, St. John's is hosting a party for the entire community. In the past, this party that we've held has been for ourselves. This year, we've extended an invitation to people outside the church community to come and join our party. Don't be afraid of those other people. (laughs) They, too, are children of God. And when we extend our hospitality to them and invite them to dunk Chris in the dunk tank or share a hot dog with us, we are, in our own small way, living out the promises of healing and reconciliation delivered to us in the gospel and revealed to us not only in the person of Jesus, but in our neighbor and in ourselves. Amen.